Chapter 1 True Crime Today My name is Ken Kratz. You may know me as the chief villain in the Netflix docuseries Making a Murderer, the ten-part television sensation released in December 2015 that ignited a fierce conversation in this country and beyond about whether or not our criminal justice system is rigged. The show became an international obsession, earned six Emmy nominations, and inspired too many internet sleuths and conspiracy theorists to count. It raised allegations of police and prosecutorial misconduct, suggested that evidence was tampered with, and left millions of viewers with the impression that a junkyard dealer named Stephen Avery and his nephew Brendan Dassey were framed for the savage murder of a young photographer named Teresa Halbach. As I watched the series, I wondered what had so riveted the public consciousness. It didn't feature dramatic reenactments, like Errol Morris's The Thin Blue Line had in 1988, no real-time car chases on California freeways a la O.J. in 1994, no top-line actors portraying real people, as in The People vs. O.J. Simpson last year's O.J. Redux, no reinvestigation by forensic professionals, like those recently featured on CBS, solving the 20-year-old murder of child beauty queen John Benet Ramsey. Timing and technology, I thought, underpinned making a murderous success. The show burst out during an electric, transformative pre-Trump period in our country. Notoriously conservative America seemed to be leaning left, newly willing to challenge law enforcement. Many of the police shootings that fueled the Black Lives Matter movement resulted in no charges being filed against cops, think Baltimore, Ferguson. And yet the American public clamored for the freedom of a white man, Stephen Avery, who was, by any measure of the evidence, stone guilty. This fascinated and frankly surprised me. When Making a Murderer took home four Emmys, it seemed that those who judge popular culture had sanctioned a newfound activist spirit, if one inconsistently applied. Obsession with a convoluted case and the accused guilt or innocence is nothing new. Some of us may remember Cleveland neurosurgeon Sam Shepard, who in 1954 was convicted of killing his pregnant wife Marilyn. Speculation, often about facts not in evidence, ran rampant, both in the newspapers and on new media at the time television. Shepard won a new trial as a result and walked free. Making a murderer also benefited from a thundering shift in the media climate, from the advent of hot-take internet journalism to fact-parched online forums and social media. Thanks to the internet, a piece of bad information can be repeated so many times in so many places so quickly that it becomes accepted as true. And the uniquely vitriolic atmosphere of internet comment sections inspires people to say things they never would in person. The series birthed its own virtual family, whose members, by turn supportive and loyal, vengeful and vindictive, incurious and glib, each spinning varying theories of the truth, kept the argument about Stephen Avery's role in the death of Teresa Halbach boiling 24 hours a day every day. 
in that way making a murderer represented perfectly true crime as it's understood now. True crime with real-world consequences. Making a murderer so influenced public opinion about Avery's guilt that more than 500,000 Americans signed a petition demanding executive clemency for this unrepentant killer. Even though the president has no authority to grant such a pardon for state charges. As lead prosecutor for both the Avery and Dassey trials, I was painted as responsible for a blatant miscarriage of justice in the most notorious murder case in Wisconsin since the trial of serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer in 1992. I've been ridiculed relentlessly across the blogosphere. My heavyset appearance jeered at, and my high, thin voice mocked. On talk shows and in newspapers, I've been called...